Amen. All right, Psalm 77. If you take your Bibles, go to Psalm 77. This may surprise you. We've got a lot of work to do. So, um, I've got some introductory things that I just want to mention to you. Um, I, my hope, my design, my plan for this morning is for this, this morning's message to be a little less preachy and a little more teachy. But it's me, so get what you get. <laughs> Um, there'll be moments, uh, I've already, this morning even going over my notes, just found myself getting all ramped up. There are going to be moments where um, I may sound angry. I am not angry. Uh, my fear is that the posture of my voice uh, can turn some of you off and, and make you think that I'm actually uh, upset. Um, I'm not. Something that has happened for me over the last year and a half as I've prepared um, this sermon series in particular, is I've become deeply passionate about the topic of lament. And there's a reason for it. There's a lot of reasons for it. Events in my own life uh, that I've had to work through and deal with and get honest with God about. Events in the lives of people around me who I love, in your lives. And, and as I've wrestled with this, and prayed through his word, and got to this point where we're ready to launch this, this series after it's been more than a year of planning for this. What I've found is that lament is something that I have needed permission to do, but I've never been invited to it. Our, our tendency as a church, not Uniontown, but as, as big church as, as, as worldwide church, universal church, our tendency is to rush to the other side of heartache, to the place where we're like, just, just rejoice in God and everything will be A-okay, everybody. Um, and that's not okay. Uh, the next uh, seven weeks... Uh, there's going to be some repetition. There's a couple of reasons. Number one, it's me. I can't remember what I just said an hour ago. If you Honestly, if you can get in my head during some second services, second service, I'm like, I think I said that already. Did I say that already? I'm not really sure. So having a whole kind con- yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so there'll be, I have said it already. There'll be a repetition for sure because of that. There's repetition uh, because repetition is the key to learning. I've heard that somewhere. <laughs> um and I think we need to make up for some lost time when it comes to that learning thing. So, uh, one more thing. I, should, <laughs> I paid a gazillion dollars to get my master's degree to tell you this. We're in Psalm 77. That's not Lamentations. Um, one for one. We're moving. The reason for that is there's a couple of reasons. Um, seven weeks in Lamentations would be hard. Uh, it would be hard for me, to be honest with you, but it would be hard for you. Um, it would be difficult, and so what I want to do is before we get to Lamentations, I want to take two weeks to kind of unpack what lament is, what it looks like, define some things for us, and then demonstrate it for you so you see what a prayer of lament looks like. Why do we need to lament? And I know already some of you are like, great, this is, no, don't check out. We'll get to Lamentations, we'll walk through that book for three weeks, and then for two weeks after that, again, we'll bounce back to to how and why and, and all that good stuff. So let me, let me start with a, a quick question for you. How are you? How are you? Anybody get asked that this morning? Raise your hand. If somebody asked you how you are this morning, raise your hand. Don't be bashful. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. 
Well, maybe this will be embarrassing. I don't know. How many of you actually answered honestly? Raise your hand. Good. Okay, about a quarter of you. That's pretty good. Quite honestly, I ask almost everybody when I walk by them and say, hey, how are you this morning? And if one of you stopped and got brutally honest with me, I probably would never ask you again. <laughs> right? Because let's be honest, usually we're just kind of like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. Still standing. You know, that, that kind of stuff. And, and the reality is, um, this morning, I want you to wrestle with how you really are. And I want you to be brutally honest. Not with me. I want you to be brutally honest with yourself and with God. God is not put off by your brutal honesty. God, God is not going to stop asking how you are if you're honest with him once. I will, but God won't. So we're going to read just the first nine verses of Psalm 77 together. Just the first nine, because I want us to remain in tension for a little bit. So Psalm 77, starting in verse 1, says this. I cried aloud to God. Aloud to God, and he, he will hear me. I sought the Lord in my day of trouble. My hands were continually lifted up all night long. I refused to be comforted. I think of God, and I groan. I meditate. My spirit becomes weak. Now, you have kept me from closing my eyes. I am troubled and I cannot speak. I, I consider days of old, years long past. At night, I even remember my music. I meditate in my heart. And my spirit ponders. Will the Lord reject forever and never again show favor? Has his faithful love ceased forever? Is his promise at an end for all generations? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? And the author of this psalm is a man named Asaph. We, we don't know what he's writing about. His pain is obviously pretty intense. I mean, as you walk through, you, you see, I cried aloud. That, that actually could be translated, I yelled at God. My day of trouble, there's this feeling of being confined, like the walls are closing in on you. Uh, Asaph, for whatever reason, felt like he was in a dark tunnel and couldn't see the light at the end of that tunnel. I refused to be comforted. I, I tried everything. My hands are lifted up like a, like a drowning man who just wants to be rescued. When I think of God, I groan, I moan, I meditate, my strength leaves me. What he's saying is, listen, my life is, is hard and I am struggling. When I think about God, and this, was, this is an interesting tension moment, right? I think about God, everything's supposed to be wonderful then, right? When I think about God, the response that comes from my soul is not, yay, God! The response that comes from my soul is wordless grief, groaning, moaning. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But instead of it helping, it just seems to be making me feel, feel worse. 
My spirit ponders. I, I like uh, um, another version says, I tried to make sense of what was happening, but I couldn't. I am so troubled. I, am, I can't even speak. Those are the real feelings of Asaph. And then you get to the questions he asks. Verses 7 through 9. I mean, I, I, I hear people pray, like, God, where are you? What are you doing? Why would you do this? But he goes varsity level and says, has God forgotten how to be gracious? That's an accusatory question, isn't it? Here, you can answer it this way. So if you're standing next to me and you have your arm around me and I'm praying because I'm in a great deal of pain, I'm like, Lord, you have forgotten who you are. You're not treating me with fairness. You're not being merciful. You're not being gracious. Are you going to stand there with your arm around me very long? You're going to be like, yo, I'm getting over here just in case. (laughs) Right? Those are the kind of questions the psalmist is asking. Those are the feelings the psalmist has in his heart. Have you felt that way? A little object lesson here, just for a quick second. I'd like all of you to reach to the seat back in front of you and grab one of those prayer cards that's there. Go ahead and grab one of those. If you have a pen, that'd be great. Have you ever felt the way Asaph feels? Now, if you want to put your name on it, you are more than welcome to. You don't have to. But what I want you to do is ask yourself that question. When have I felt like that? Where God wasn't hearing me, my prayers weren't fixing anything, I kept trying to remember all the good things God had done for me, but didn't change how I felt. It just continued to build and build and build, and I cried out with all of these questions, God, how is this helpful? When is it going to end? Why would you do this to me? When have you felt like that? Maybe it's a, a sin that you struggle with cyclically, and you just keep falling into the trap. Maybe it's an event that occurred Maybe it's a place that something happened. Maybe, maybe it's the name of someone. What's your event? What's your name? What's your place? What's that, that thing that has caused you to feel this way? I want you to take, I'm just going to take 30 seconds here. Write it down on the card. Be honest with yourself. And be honest with God. I'll share mine with you when we're done in about 20 seconds here. So don't don't shut me down. (laughs) Stay with me. Because we need to be honest about the pain and the struggle, the hurts, the anger, the frustrations in our hearts. So mine, you don't need to shout yours out. I'm not asking you, but I'm just going to tell you. Um, There's there's a list for mine. And and I don't feel at ease to be uh, completely transparent about all of them. But there's one that I, I've shared publicly and, and I've realized as I've studied and prayed and worked and wrestled and done my own lamenting is there's a name on mine and the name is Chris. Chris was a very good friend of mine 
who should never have been a good friend of mine for a lot of reasons. We were very different, and we got in a lot of trouble together as pastors. That's a whole other level of trouble. <laughs> and uh, in 2012, uh, I spent some extended time with him on a project and flew home, and by the time I landed, he had left me a voicemail that he had just gotten news from his doctor that he had pancreatic cancer. I was able to get back out to see him four weeks later, and he had passed two weeks after that. So from the moment he was diagnosed to the moment he passed, it was six weeks. And I miss him. But for far too long, The church has approached things like that with, sure, go ahead, grieve for a season, but then suck it up and get back to rejoicing. Any any hint of angst in your heart, any hint of mourning or discouragement, even depression for a season, any hint of that, and the way that the typical church and church leader and church member responds is with the cliches we're all familiar with. Just have more faith, brother. God makes no mistakes. He'll work all things together for good to those who love Him. And and what ends up happening is if you feel those hurts, and you hear those cliches being fired back at you, it makes you feel like you're immature. It makes you feel like you are, are lacking faith. It even makes you feel like maybe you're a disappointment to God for feeling that. Maybe you've felt that way. What it teaches us, those of us who are in pain, is to never speak up and be honest again. And we're not going to do that here. There's weeks coming. Again, not only is there going to be a lot of repetition, there's going to be a lot of clarification as we go. You don't sit in your hole and pout, okay? So that's a whole different thing. But the reality is we're, we're not going to allow hurts to become something that we look at you like, Christians should never hurt. Christians should just be skipping around all day long, singing happy songs. Oh, happy day, happy day. My puppy just got run over. Oh, happy day. That, 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 I mean, I make big joke, but that really is how we act sometimes. It's, it's ludicrous. This is not just a book. This is God's word. We have in front of us God's inspired word. And there are so many scriptures in this word that point to people who have struggled, people who have wrestled, not just Asaph. You've got Job. Job is this man who lost almost everything in his life, right? It all disappeared, and then he's met with massive sickness, and he says, man, my life is just a breath. My eye will never again see anything good. Go ahead and pray that at your small group this afternoon. Let me know how that goes. Not only is it, is it Job, you end up with this great prophet Elijah who just falls into the doldrums and Elijah himself Elijah himself prays that his life would be taken. Jeremiah is so sad that he's known as the weeping prophet saying he wished he'd never been born. You got David, Jonah, 
Nehemiah, Ezekiel, even Peter. And here's, here's another one. Listen to this verse out of Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. During his earthly life, Jesus offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. Jesus himself, John 11, stands in front of the tomb of his his beloved friend Lazarus, and he begins to weep over the lost. Luke chapter 19, he stands over the city of Jerusalem and begins to mourn the fact that there was destruction and judgment headed their way. Matthew 26, he's in the garden crying great drops of, of, of great tears as if they were drops of blood as he pleaded with God. And then on the cross, on the cross, he quotes a lament psalm of David out of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Lament is a biblical language that we need to be familiar with and we need to normalize in the life of believers. So friends, that is why I'm here. Okay, so I, I want to define lament for you for the series. Um, I, I, my, my remote trashed on me. So if you could just throw up the definition of lament. Here we go. This is the definition. I'm just going to leave this up here pretty much the rest of the time. Lament is the honest cry of the child of God who is living in the tension of pain and the promise of God. Okay? The honest cry of the child of God living in the tension of pain and the promise of God. Let me walk through that definition. It's the honest cry. Lament gives us a language of of prayer when life is difficult and hard and we're being beat up by it. And it's it's very honest. The the, the words, the feelings are expressed clearly. They can even be be raw. You hear that in in the voice of Asaph, right? Are you going to reject forever, God? You'll never again show favor? Your faithful love has ceased forever? Is your promise at an end? For, I mean, those are accusatory prayers, but they're raw, and that is what he's feeling in that moment. So it's the honest cry of the child of God. Let me define child of God very quickly, just in case you're a guest with us and, and, and you bring in with you a, a definition. A child of God is not just anybody who happens to live in 2022. A child of God is not a cultural Christian who just happens to have gone to church their entire life because mommy and daddy did. A child of God is not someone who self-identifies as a Christian. A child of God is someone who has rejected all other attempts to justify themselves and instead has confessed that Jesus and only Jesus is the one Son of God who lived the life they should have lived but didn't and died the death they should have died. A child of God is someone who knows that there is nothing that they have done to deserve the rescue that came to them because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The child of God is the one who understands that the rescue that has been given to you through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is far more than just eternal life. The rescue that has been given you as a child of God is a renewed relationship with your daddy. You don't just get eternal life. You get the father. Anybody can cry. You've heard it this morning. Who do you think taught the newborns to cry? It's, it's within us. It's our, it's our natural language as humanity, right? We, we, anybody can cry. But to lament is the language of one of God's children. 
And it's the language of one of God's children who is living in the tension of the pain and the promise of God. Without pain, you wouldn't be lamenting. But without the promise of God, you wouldn't be lamenting either. Because what's happened is in this, this relationship has been restored between you and God the Father. You have also been given this promised hope of eternity with him where there is no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no loss at all. And you and I live in loss. That's what our, our world is, is completely surrounded by loss. That's why there's so much angst in people. Lament exists because loss exists. Genesis 3, everything that was good and perfect and right, sin entered in and fractured it. And now we live in the, the land of loss. So, 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 so the, the child of God who is living in this tension, right? Here, here you got this, this promise of God that there is coming a day when I will see him face to face and all the old things will be made new. There'll be no more cancer. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more heartache. There'll be no more disappointment. There'll be no more loss. And yet until that day, I live here. And so there's this tension. Lament is the language of the people who live with that tension. Let, let me be really clear. Lament isn't the pathway from sadness to happiness, okay? Lament just changes your perspective on circumstances. And, and, and this is what I would tell you. The very first step, when that pain is overwhelming, when that heartache is crushing you, when you look at the name, the place, the event on that card that you've already written on, and the, the tears well up because you just don't have answers. The very first thing you need to do is cry out to God. When you cry out to God, you're confessing some things right off the bat. I, I'm praying. That means I believe in God. I'm praying constantly and crying out to God. That means I believe there's value in ongoing prayer. I, I'm crying out to God. That means I believe that, that God should want to and can do something about my situation. But don't try to hide the conflict in you. When difficulty comes, pray honestly. That difficulty can be a sin that just seems to keep getting you down. It can be the heartache that's taking your breath. It can be a loss that's real. Just don't stay silent. Um, most of us who have gone through terrible loss also go through a season of we, the, the, our initial response is to cry out to God with our honest feelings. But then what can happen is then suddenly we begin to give God the silent treatment. And, and let, me be, let me warn you about that. If you find yourself, you're at the place where when this one topic comes up, I'm just not talking to God about that. The, the, the silence is actually its own language. What it's saying is, I don't believe God's powerful enough to bring about change. Or worse, it can be saying, God, I don't think you know who you're dealing with here. Why are you not meeting my expectations? Why are you not giving me the answers that I want? Okay, here we go. This is really important you catch this. I'll even stand up for it. There you go, ready? I'm not saying when you pray, God makes everything wonderful immediately. Okay? But because that's the lie that's out there. If you pray, God will make everything okay. Well, God's already made the most important things okay. God's already in control. What I'm saying is, don't just pray. Argue. Argue. 
argue. Let it out. Not, not like in the punching bag kind of way, let it out. Oh, no, no. You're talking to God. But I argue. I, I love the fact that Asaph, here, he's not running to his friends to complain about God. He's not sheepishly admitting that, I mean, I'm a little discouraged right now, Father. Do you think you could? No, and he, he, he's, he is shouting at God right here. And if you're going through something right now that that's heavy, you can't laugh it away. You know me. Uh, the irony has not been lost on me, but the thing that God has impressed upon my heart the most in the last two years is how to lament. I'm the last guy that you would think would take on this task. I laugh at the most inopportune times. It's my reaction. It's my reflex. It's, it really is a lot to do with the scars in my life. And so I still deal with that. I'm almost 50 years old, and I'm still dealing with it. And I'll still deal with it till I die. You can't laugh it away. You can't drink it away. I've had friends and family that have tried that. It doesn't work. You can't party it away. You can't sleep it away. You can't ignore it away. Cry out honestly. Maybe, maybe you should buckle up here for a second. I mean that. Because I think I'm going to give you just a few ways that your prayer should sound. And it may make some of you uncomfortable. Because if you're being honest, what your prayer should sound like is, God, I cannot believe I looked at porn again. You gave me a wife in the other room, and instead of going out there and investing in her, I've been selfish, and I've just poured it all on myself again. God, I cannot believe you let me speak to him that way. You put me in a situation, and I just responded in anger, and I did it again. God, I can't believe that my boss said that to me, and then, and then gave me that pink slip. I can't believe that my son won't talk to me anymore. What did I do? What did I do? Why can't he just pick up the phone? God, I cannot believe you took her from me. How dare you? God, I hate this. This sucks. It's not fair. And I, and I don't even know what to do with all these feelings. Some of you are like, I can't believe you would talk to God that way. Maybe, maybe you've been taught that the only way you're supposed to approach God is with calmness and speak these and thous and whithersoever's. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe it's biblical to cast all your cares on him? Do you? Cast all your cares, all your worries on him because he cares about you. You think that's biblical? Uh, it's in 1 Peter 5, 7. I'm trying to give you the answer. I'm trying to make it easy on you. I just yelled at you. I mean, come on. Telling God how you feel doesn't make you weak in your faith. Coming in with your questions and your anger and confusion isn't going to lead him to sit in heaven scoffing at you and be disappointed in you for not trusting him enough. He wants you to come with your doubts, your questions, your frustrations. That's not a lack of faith. That's an act of deep abiding faith. When you lay your burdens on the only one who has the power to heal them. But instead, we're just like, okay, okay, wait, hold on. I'm sorry, I gotta, I gotta talk to God real quick. Father in heaven, 
Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Amen. 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 I can't believe he's doing this to me. Like he doesn't hear that. Cast every care, concern, heartache, frustration, anger, everything that is inside of you. You throw it on him because he's big enough to take it and he will care for you. Stop pretending like you're macho. Men. Specifically our men. Stop pretending like you have everything figured out. Stop pretending like you can just go through life happy, skippy, nothing ever hurts your heart. You're a liar. How do I do this? I don't even know how to start, right? I mean, I don't even know how to begin. You're asking me to do something crazy. Um, here's what I want to encourage you with. And today, around noon, we're going to put it up on our Facebook page. There's a whole list of psalms, um, which is crazy. More than, more than a, more, most of the psalms are actually lament psalms. We just tend to skip to the end of it so we can resolve all the problems right away. And we miss the beginning part where the psalmist is like screaming at God. Pray the psalms. Pray the lament psalms. That list will be there. What do you, what do you mean, pray the psalms? I don't mean... Pick up, okay, Psalm 77, dear God, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. Amen. I, I don't mean that. What I mean is use the psalm as a prayer guide. And what I want to do is, is close my time by praying the first few verses of Psalm 77 and show you what I mean. I haven't practiced this. It's a real prayer. And it's going to not just be a prayer for me. Because I know those of you are sitting here looking at your card still. So it's a prayer for you too. Would you pray with me? All right, you got the... Just like the psalmist said, I cry aloud to you. And I cry aloud to you because I know you will hear me, God. I know no matter how difficult the day is, how hard the, the heartache is, no matter how hurt I am, how upset I am, I know you're going to hear me. Because I'm seeking you in the day of my trouble. I, I know... this. My hands are continually lifted up all night long. I know men and women in this room who still, at the very thought of whatever it was they wrote on their card, fall on their faces before you and continue to lift their hands asking you to rescue them, to save them, to deliver them. So God, I pray. I pray that their voice would be heard by you. I pray they'd no longer be silent. I pray that they would be comforted in these days. The psalmist talks about thinking about you and groaning. I, I, Lord, I ask that those who are in such great heartache and hardship and difficulty, that, that when they think of you, instead of groaning, Father, they would begin to delight. They would delight knowing that you heard them. As they try to wrestle with all these things, Father, I pray that they would experience the rest that only you can give them. When we talk about considering the days of old, remembering our favorite songs, Lord, that doesn't fix the feelings. 
but it sure does remind us of who you are. It reminds us that as long as there's breath in our lungs, you're not finished with us. And God, we may not be able to look at our immediate present or our immediate past and see obvious blessing from you. We, we may be missing that. So I pray we would anchor ourselves in your character. Anchor ourselves in knowing that no matter what it is, whether it's heartache because of a loss that, that we've experienced in people, or, or even, Lord, it might even be the, the fact that we just can't get out of our own way, that we are sucked into our addictions, we are sucked into our, 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 our foolishness. Father, I, I pray that you would bring relief with just the reminder that you're, you're not done. You're not done. I thank you, Father, that your faithfulness never changes. That your mercies are new every morning. And that you've invited us, encouraged us to come into your presence with this honesty. God, I know you love us. And I know you have great things in store for us. I just pray that you would give us the ability to see the relief even now. Would you do your work among us? Would you heal the hearts that need to be healed? Would you give answers to those who are begging for answers? Would you give endurance to those of us who are just tired? May we find encouragement in the fact that we have a God who wants to weep with us. That's in the name of his precious son, Jesus, I pray. Amen.